Hello, story lovers. I'm Laurel McCarg, host of Alligator Preserves. And in today's show, I'm going to share with you the adventure I took recently with my husband during hunting season. So stay tuned. Welcome to Alligator Preserves, a weekly podcast about revealing yourself through storytelling, story reading, and story writing, but probably not story arithmetic because that's not a thing. You just might surprise yourself with the secrets you'll uncover. The title for this piece is All Out of Fudge. Here goes. I'll start this piece by saying I love my husband lots. It's important you remember this as I tell my story. It was day three of hunting season for black powder rifles, and Mike had an elk tag. I'm the slicer-dicer of our hunting team, having mastered the gutless method of harvesting meat from an elk via YouTube and a couple of roadkill recoveries. But in our years of hunting together, we've never filled a tag. New to Salida hunting areas, we scoped out a few good places weeks prior and found evidence of activity in the area, so when we rose at 0430 on day one, we believed luck would finally be on our side. We heard you way up yonder. A gentleman with a high-speed bow whispered to us when we met him and his potential son-in-law as we were climbing and they were descending. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Can't sneak up on him making all that noise, so we're heading in. He seemed pleased we took a few minutes to chat with him, albeit quietly, as other hunters in the area evidently avoided making eye contact and wouldn't share where they were hunting. The younger man toted a camera and looked cold and bored, as the older man bragged about teaching him everything he knew about being a redneck. After goodbyes and good lucks, Mike and I went on our way, up and up and up, convinced once the sun came out, the snow would lose its crunch and we would bag our winter meals. Sadly, the crunch of our boots paled in comparison with the loud-talking hunters who appeared to be following the trail we were punching through the snow, and just when we heard a bull-elk bugle. Did I mention they had a dog? Yeah. Did we see the glorious bull after following his fresh trail for hours? No. After a full day of trekking and tracking, we returned home, grateful to have spent the day in the snowy wilderness. When the alarm startled us awake at 0430 on day two, I moaned and groaned and waited until Mike returned from the bathroom before rising, only to find him standing by my side of the bed, in hunting shirt and skivvies. How are you feeling? he asked. He looked perplexed. Why? I answered. I don't know. I was just thinking there really isn't a way to walk quietly with the snow the way it is. Would you be okay with going this afternoon instead? 
would I be okay with sleeping in another couple of hours, having a lovely breakfast, visiting with my ducks, and heading out when the snow would be melted and we wouldn't have to wear thermals? Have I mentioned how much I love my husband? I didn't want to appear too excited by his suggestion. Yeah, I guess so. Makes sense. Two more glorious hours of sleep. Wonderfully rested and reassured of success that afternoon, we parked at a different location and headed up and up and up in short sleeves. Cushioned from recent snowmelt, the ground gave beneath our feet, and we could be hunt ninjas. This would be the day. Hours later, as the sun slipped away and we donned warmer tops, we won a stare-down contest with a lovely deer before heading home, meatless once more. Third time's a charm, they say, so we left at O-Dark 30 again, day three, after scaring the feathers off my ducks. Despite my usual greeting as I approached their shelter to open the door for the day, they responded in a tizzy, probably because of my headlamp. New things frighten ducks, so I made quick work of filling their pool and saying, I'll be back, but not in a Terminator kind of way. Mike had a new route planned, so off we went, up and up and up, bundled against the cold and happy to see far less snow. We followed a bubbling stream along cushy grass for a while, slowly, stealthily, before traversing a much more difficult stretch of forest, testing our ankle strength on 45-plus-degree muddy slopes strewn with downed trees, many charred from the 2019 Decker fire. The entire area still smells of campfires, which would have been pleasant if not for the reality. Somewhere along the way, Mike stopped, smiled, and pointed towards something. As I typically follow at a distance behind, I closed the gap as quickly and quietly as I could, half expecting to block my ears in preparation for a rifle blast. But no, it was a door. A large wooden door in the middle of nowhere hinged to a massive aspen tree. I took the requisite photo of him peering from behind it, and we continued on our way, humored and intrigued. Moments later, he pointed at the ground, but instead of the elk tracks I anticipated, there were bear tracks, big and fresh. I searched for the whistle attached to my pack, only to discover I'd secured it too far back on the strap and out of easy reach. So this is how it will end, I thought. We'll either bring home or become bear meat. Satisfied with the life I'd lived, I briefly wondered who would write the gory story of my demise. But like our social distance conscious elk, the bear never showed his face. At around five hours of steady uphill progress, I started to feel lightheaded. 
Eat something and rest, Mike suggested, and he waited until I was ready to continue more up and up and up. At six hours, Mike found warm poop. What a bunch of bull. I had already started praying we wouldn't fill his tag because how the heck would we get it out? Six hours away from our vehicle over dense terrain? Couldn't we just go home and take a nap? My pack was already loaded with carving materials, game bags, and discarded clothing. I supposed I could pull a Lady Gaga and attach meat bags from my shoulder straps, hang the back straps around me like a grisly necklace, but... No. Just no. I was done with it. My head was fuzzy and my feet hurt and my butt muscles burned, and as much as I tried to conjure my pioneer ancestors... I just didn't give a hoot anymore about anything hunt-related. How much farther up before we can head down? I asked when Mike stopped to wait for me on a seemingly endless hill, and he did his best to convince me the fastest way down required more up. You just have to hike to the sky he said, pointing to a patch of Colorado blue far, far away at the top of the slippery hill. And I started to giggle. I lost control of my giggles when I tried to express how I felt. What? he asked. I can't understand what you're saying. You're all out of fudge? (laughs) If I'd been better hydrated, I might have peed my pants because fudge was so not the word I'd used. No, not fudge, I bent over, laughing, careless of the noise I was making, totally out of control and nearly out of breath. I was losing it. I'm all out of... But I couldn't get the word out through my laugh tears. I didn't give a fudge anymore about begging the wily elk. I just wanted to stop the endless climb. Mike waited until I dried my eyes and then promised me I was almost there. As if to prove it, he scampered to the top of the hill like the mountain goats I know his ancestors to be and waited for me. When I reached the sky, he pointed to a bizarre tree formation. You recognize where we are now, right? he asked. I shook my head yes, unable to muster enough breath to say, of course, when, honestly, I had no idea where we were. Over years of hiking and hunting with Mike, he inevitably turns left when my gut would have us turn right, and his sense of direction is always spot on. He turned left, and I followed him down a path I eventually recognized. I wish I could record all the smells and sounds and feels of our adventure. The shiny, scaly, charred trees of the inner forest, a place so quiet I could hear my tinnitus. The varied murmurs of the streams we crossed, the saturated earth, rich with vegetative decay, 
the buttery vanilla bark of ponderosa pines spared by the fire, the almost autumn breeze and the warming rays of sun setting through silhouetted trees, the thump of deer bounding across the hillside as we neared the end of our day. But some experiences can't be captured in words. Maybe he'll be waiting for us at the truck, I offered when Mike paused his downhill trudge. I could tell he was discouraged and his feet were hurting, too. Our boots may be great for warmth and stability, but with no flex in the soles, we were treading down the road like Herman Munster on a dismal day. He smiled, but he knows elk are smarter than that. So down and down and down we marched, through and over and under and around countless fallen trees. And at one point I raised both arms to the hills on either side, summoning the wily elk with all the power in my fingertips to appear before we ended our day. But I guess hunting doesn't work like that. Heading home, bone-weary and just a tad dejected, I did my best to turn the mood around. Okay, I said, how about this line that just came to me? After a gorgeous day of hunting with my honey, my souls may be sore, but my soul soars. Mike groaned. Oh, that's awful. Awfully good, you mean, right? He shook his head and smiled. I love my husband. Perhaps charm happens the fourth time around. Maybe I should bring some fudge. <laughs> That ends my piece all out of fudge. <laughs> and I suppose I should report that this year's hunting season ended meatless once more, but at least I got a funny story out of it. <laughs> if if you had been there while I was losing it on the hillside, I just couldn't even breathe imagining that he was hearing me telling him I was all out of fudge, which made no sense whatsoever because who brings fudge hunting? <laughs> although maybe I should have, but I was all out of all kinds of things, breath being one of them. And yeah, I was all out of fudge. <laughs> you can look for this story with photos in the November issue of Colorado Central Magazine. And while you're at it, if you haven't yet, you ought to subscribe to it. It's a wonderful magazine that has Colorado-related stories in it. And as always, you can find today's show notes with links and photos on my website at leadvillelaurel.com. You can also find me there by just typing in laurelmccarg.com. You can email me at laurel at strackpress.com. Follow me on Twitter. And if you enjoyed this and other episodes, please subscribe to Alligator Preserves wherever you get your podcast to keep up with my latest episodes and share this with your friends. If you have any friends who enjoy hunting, or even if they don't enjoy hunting, I mean, my stories, none of my stories have kills in them. Well, other than the roadkill that I ended up harvesting a few years ago, but I do have a book out called Hunt for Red Meat Love Stories. <laughs> and there are stories like this one that I just shared with you about previous times. Mike and I have gone hunting and, and I have experienced the beauty of the wild and 
the suffering I experience and the wonders of finding just the right tree to pee behind and watching the sunrise and the stars come out and the anticipation of possibly finding something you might be able to take home. So you might want to check that book out. It's a fun one. And today is September 24th, 2020. The world is still in the grip of the coronavirus pandemic, COVID-19 pandemic. And as always, I will ask you to do your best to find something beautiful and something humorous in every day, because we really need to laugh every day. So join me next time when I'll talk about something completely different. And until then, wash your hands, wear a mask, be careful, be patient, be hopeful. And thank you for visiting. Bye. Alligator Preserves is hosted and produced by Laurel McCard, with technical support provided by her husband, Mike McCard. Follow her on her website at leadvillelaurel.com, where she writes about life, real, and imagined. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy her books. Find her work at amazon.com.